Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Brave Worship episode 26. Take two. (laughs) You're listening to the Brave Worship podcast with Chrissy Nordhoff and Mary Beth Dodd. Brave Worship is all about encouraging women to write, lead, and live worship. So yeah, you want to tell them what happened? Yeah, we recorded this really great podcast. Some of my favorite highlights were talking about husbands delivering coffee. Oh yeah, that that was good. And we lost it. So We actually didn't record it. We thought we did. (laughs) We thought we did. It looked right. Some numbers were moving on the thing. Oh, my gosh. I guess it helps if you push the record button. Yeah. Yeah, we're not the most technical type Nobody said that. It's okay. You're way more technical than me. Just a little more. Okay. Well, we're creative. What can we say? (laughs) You know, creatives come in all forms. Oh, yes. All shapes and sizes. So... So, this is the new 26 today, and uh, we have our friend Lydia Ingenieri with us today. We're so glad she could come and join us. Yay, I'm happy to be here. And um, Lydia just moved to town um, a couple months ago. Yep, November 7th, we moved into our house. So, she's experiencing winter for the first time in a long time, <laughs> Yes, probably. in a long time. I did grow up in this weather, but 17 years in the desert, you get, mm. you forget. You know? Right, so, yeah. yeah. You have to go buy sweaters, <laughs> yeah. probably, and coats, and hats, yeah, and, and... socks, and... Yeah. yeah. Things. Well, and it's kind of fun things that you don't get to wear in Arizona. Very true. I and I've I've missed the seasons. I mean, I I grew up in Norway and the Northwest, so it's like, you know, I love the cold weather, but you do have to adjust. It it takes it takes a minute. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it has been so cold. So cold. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I keep hearing that. It's like unseasonably yeah. cold or yeah. something. In the Last teens. year at Christmas time, we were eating outside. Remember that? In December, you guys were gone for Christmas, and we sat out on the porch and had spaghetti. Wow. <laughs> it was so warm. Nothing says Seriously. Christmas like spaghetti. spaghetti. That's what I'm talking about. I want some right now just thinking about it. But it was seven degrees this week. Seven? Spaghetti is one of those things you wow. can like every day. Thank yeah, you. Caden had Caden had his buddies over this week, which I was really glad because... You know, he's been kind of sort of trying to find friends and yeah. establish relationships. And, you know, it's so good if they can do that outside of school, not just going to school. So for months, I've been like, we can have a party. I'll make you food. Like, so he finally had a party and um, he wanted a bonfire. So <laughs> what? We, yeah. And it was that night where it was like seven degrees. I was like, are we sure about this? Because oh my gosh, I would have said no. Well, we went and bought all the stuff. We bought the pit because ours You're broke. Such good parents. And we had the wood, and the chairs are all set up, and then no one went outside. So what? <laughs> I know because it was too cold. It was too cold. I can't blame them. I wouldn't yeah. be going yeah. there either. Me neither. Me neither. I'm too chicken. So I um, did online grocery shopping for the first time last night. 
Was Did it you love Kroger it? Click and Save? It was Walmart. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I know I'm like the last person on the face of the earth to jump on this bandwagon, but yeah, that was cool. Isn't so it life changing? Today I just get to drive up and have somebody load groceries in. What car. was the turnaround time? Just a day. So I like mean, last night you put it in and then you can pick it up today? Yeah, like I did it late, like 1030. And then I oh. could actually pick my time. I could choose my time Yeah, when to go get it, which was cool because today is kind of a busy day for me. And so I'm going this afternoon to pick it up. That's awesome. I'm excited about it. I know. I she that. told me about that Kroger click list and I've been doing mm-hmm. that. And then two weeks ago, I did Kroger and Walmart at the same time because I was trying to save money. Wow. Yes. And I was Walmart like, has some stuff I'm not there yet. But what I realized <laughs> was, honestly, Kroger is almost cheaper on most items. Yeah. Kroger was cheaper. On food. I, I think I'll try. It. Okay. In Phoenix. Yeah. I lived literally like maybe 600 yards away from a Kroger. Mm-hmm. It was like around the corner and mm-hmm. it was great. I mean, they do. They've got phenomenal prices. Yeah. Like very comparable and yep. I never felt like I was flushing money down the toilet going there. So Right. There yeah. were some things that Walmart was cheaper. Yeah. But they I think they had more of the health food stuff I wanted at yeah. Kroger, you know. So mm, ultimately yeah. after that I was like, I think I'm just gonna go to Kroger's. Walmart's good for like diapers and yeah. stuff like that. For right. Like Cleaning supplies. And, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So, but it is nice when it's that cold outside not yeah, to have to get definitely. the kids out of the car and yes. take them all in the store. Preach. And- I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't like grocery shopping with my children. Like, <laughs> I, That's I, the most <laughs> you take it's nothing like, else from this podcast. It's the worst. <laughs> I, I, I really admire you moms who like do that with gladness. I never it's do it with hard. gladness. I mean, I do it out of necessity <laughs> if I have to, but I'm like, Okay, I know you can use it as like a teaching opportunity for your kids, and I get that and stuff, but it's like they never listen. Like when I'm in there, like they try, you know, to like not yes. ask for things, but it's too tempting. Right. It's because they like, see it all constantly. It's too tempting. And so, it's like, all made to make kids want it. Like yes. all, even cereals, like everything. They want the one Ugh. with the toys, they want all the sugar. Well, and stuff. notice where like they put all that stuff down low where right. the kids are and yeah. <laughs> And I just, when I took my kids, I got to the point where I was like, just feeding them the whole time. I'd be like, all right, here's the box of crackers. Sit in the front thing. That was my favorite. You'd be like, how many did we actually go through? And then I was like, by the end, I'm like, I'll pay any price to get out of the store. What do you want? (laughs) Let's get out. But now that they're a little older, (laughs) now that they're a little older, I'm trying to take like one kid, like each time I go and Kids, this is a grocery store. <laughs> anything, we will leave. I will leave my cart full. Have you ever done? If you don't shape up, I'm taking you out in the car to give you a spanking. No. Oh, I used to do that. Yeah. Oh, and then and then I did the whole. I'm gonna take you to kids drop off while I go to the grocery store. They had like this. You can do that. They had a drop off place. Do. It's here. Yeah, it's like a kids like babysitting place. But oh. my kids were like scared of it. I thought you meant like in the grocery no, store. No, 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 no. Ikea has oh that. Near oh, yeah, the grocery that. store. Oh, Ikea come to Nashville. Yeah, but anyways, I, for a while I was like, I'm going to take you guys to kids drop off if you don't stop it. And they were like, no. And so one day I finally had to go to kids drop off. I had no other options. <laughs> and they loved it. They loved it. <laughs> they loved it. And so then every time we had to go to the grocery store, they were like, no. 
we want to go to kids' drop <laughs> I have to watch myself when I go in the store with my kids because my attitude changes drastically if I'm not, like, really intentional about it's it. It's hard, isn't it? Well, yeah. especially when you have multiple kids, you know? Like, when you have several. I have multiple, multiple kids. Right. Me too. It's just not worth it. I'm it's gonna be not, honest with you. Yeah. Chris, Chris though, Chris will take all four of ours into Costco. It's different with hours. dads. I'm sorry, it's different with dads. Is that what the problem I is? I swear. Yeah. They I'm treat like, no. Scott way better than they treat me in the store. Hmm. I don't know. They know you have a sweet spot for like giving in this maybe. This is how it like, is oh, lots of cute. things. <laughs> oh, yes. it is pretty cute. You can get it. Another stuffed <laughs> animal, okay. <laughs> Oh. We're oh. laughing because this is so the reality of our lives. It is. It's the truth, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And it's, I mean, you want to be the perfect mom and be able to walk down those aisles with those kids, like, totally behaving. But <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> All right? It doesn't happen. No. So to save everyone grief, <laughs> yes, do the click list or whatever. Get a babysitter for <laughs> Yeah. Groceries. Or, yeah, do the click list. That's awesome. Yeah, I used to try to, when the kids were in preschool, go get groceries or, you know, whatever, time it. Yeah. So. Sacred time. Mm-hmm. I know. Then you're like, do I want to get groceries or write a song? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> There's too many choices. Decisions. Yeah. So I think that's awesome. And I wish I would have started it. Like, I wish I would have had it. I know. Yeah. I, I should have probably started this a long time ago, but. Yeah. Anyway. It does take a minute, though, to get everything in the cart online, too. Yeah. Like, you do take that time. Yeah. Right. That's so. true. Yeah. And once I lost my whole order, so that took me, like, two hours. And I, I was that. like, crap, I could have gone to the store. <laughs> that happened to me. I was in the wrong part of the website. Are you serious? Website. Yeah. Me, too. You can add stuff I to a, a cart, and it's different. It's love, like a hate relationship with the internet, seriously. I know, yeah. that stuff happens, and then you're just, like, you just wasted all that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Oh. so anyways, happy shopping. Happy Happy shopping. shopping. (laughs) I love it. Now we can sit at home and shop on Amazon and Kroger and that's all we need. Yeah. Or whatever. Well, we just relax. Because that's what we do, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's what we do. Oh, so Lydia, tell us a little bit about you. Okay. And um, who you are Mm -hmm. and a little bit about your story and... Your ministry. Sure. Well, um, I was raised in a pastor's missionary's home, and um, I'm one of those people that grew up actually liking that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as I look back on my life, I'm really grateful for um, the experiences that I got to have just as a kid. There was always something exciting going on, and um, I'm the youngest of three girls. And uh, my mother is Norwegian. And so um, after I was born, uh, my parents felt called to um, go back on the mission field full time. And they were sent from our denomination at the time to Scandinavia to uh, plant churches. So my early years were spent in Norway, um, you know, playing outside from morning till night and just being a tomboy and loving life. And so Norwegian was actually my first language. And then in the late 80s, we moved back to the States. 
And my dad was from California. Um, so my mom married uh, an American. Um, so that was cool to be raised in a dual like culture home. Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for that. I feel like it really kind of broadened my perspective and the fact that I actually got to live in Europe for a lot of my upbringing too, um, I think has really um, been beneficial to me, mm-hmm. really kind of eye-opening. Um, but we moved back to the States and my parents, um, took a pastorate up in Washington state. And so then I grew up most of my primary years in Washington state, moved back to Norway for a few years as a teenager, back to Washington state, and then eventually ended up in Arizona, um, of all places, (laughs) um, as an 18 year old, um, in 2000. And, uh, that's where I ended up meeting my husband, Scott. And, um, you know, I knew, Early on, like in my teenage years, that I was, you know, called to ministry in some regard. I just didn't know exactly what it looked like. But um, when I was 18, God kind of took me through this kind of deep healing process and just discovering of of who I really am and what I'm called to. So when I when I came to Phoenix, I I had a pretty clear idea. Um, so when I met my husband, Scott, come to find out he was raised very similar to me as far as church life and ministry and those kinds of things. We kind of had a very parallel type of upbringing, but in two different places. So it was just kind of this instant connection between he and I and our families. And it was just crazy. You know, I just kind of believe that sometimes, um, God moves you to places that you never thought you would go for you to meet a person, <laughs> um, yeah. or to do a specific thing. And that, that's really, I think, why God brought me to Arizona. Cause I mean, I had never really desired to move down here, um, or really even, you know, even thought about it ever. Um, so when I met Scott, it was just kind of this instant, like, okay, this is why God brought me here. So we ended up, um, entering into pretty much full-time ministry from the time we got married, worship leading, um, and just leading in church in different capacities. We ended up planting a church, um, together with my in-laws. So we were on the plant team of that in 2003 and, um, you know, we're licensed pastors and just served in just all different capacities. And so, um, that was really great for me because, you know, I, again, I knew that I was called to the local church, but a part of me, because of my missions upbringing, had just this huge heart for the world. So what I love about the local church is that I do believe that the local church is always supposed to be a training ground mm-hmm. for people to be sent. Um and I kind of felt like for me, it was just this deepening that, you know, kept happening, this molding, this development. And, but I always kind of felt called like out, you know, and, and Scott kind of felt it too, but it was neat because God gave us opportunities to minister within our church and also outside of our church. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just crazy because I kind of found, found myself though, um, boxing myself in a little because, I struggled greatly with fear. I was so afraid. I don't know what this root of fear in me was, but it really hindered me. It really um, paralyzed me. And people didn't realize how afraid I was because I was very outgoing, but I literally couldn't even walk across the room and like introduce myself to somebody. I was just, I had fear of man issues and Mm. I just kind of boxed myself in and, um, you know, I've always had a passion for worship and I was leading worship and singing and I just kind of put this label on myself that, you know, I'm a worship leader, I'm a singer, that's what I do. That's my comfort zone. That's all I'm ever going to do. 
And I kind of um, shut myself off from even being open to other things, although deep down I I wanted more and I knew that I was capable of more. And, you know, after we'd kind of been in this journey of ministry for some years and, um, you know, I had already had my first son, Dominic, and I was 25 years old. And again, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up knowing, hearing that God loved me, that I had a plan and a call for my life. And I knew it up here in my head, but there was some kind of a disconnect between my head and my heart. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting as a 25-year-old in this discipleship class that my husband was teaching, and he was talking about the love of God. And, you know, I mean, if you're raised in the church, what is the one thing you always hear? God loves you. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's like, again, I knew it. But there had not been this deep revelation of God's love for me. So I was sitting there listening to this um, this description of really Jesus on the cross and just how far God had gone to prove his love for us. And I had my eyes closed and the room was full of people, you know, very full of people. There's lots of people there. And as I was sitting there listening to this, it's like almost as if I kind of went to like another place. <laughs> and um, it was like I just had an encounter with the Lord where it was like there was nobody else but me and Jesus. And his tangible presence just began to fill me. And I think the best way to describe it is like a liquid love because I literally felt from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, his presence just fill me. And, you know, we all kind of have different responses, I think, when we get uh, close to the Lord. But I mean, I just began to cry. And I didn't really even know what was happening, honestly. I just, I just knew that I didn't want it to stop. <laughs> and when I kind of finally like came to again, it had been a while and like the room was kind of cleared. Half the tables were put away and like I had no idea what was going on around me at all. And even for like a week or so after, I didn't even really know what had happened to me. Um, but very shortly after this encounter, um, one of my pastors came to me at the at the time and and she said I would really like to hand over the women's ministry of this church to you. Um not just you leading worship at it, but I want you to take full full lead. I want you to speak at it every month. I want you to preach. I want you to organize it and lead it. And before I could stop myself, I said, "Yes, of course. I would love to do that." And I kind of went, oh my gosh, what did I just say yes to? Why did I say yes to that? That's scary. Why would I ever say yes to that? And all I can, and then I think it just came back to this experience of just like, oh my gosh, I'm not afraid anymore. It's like my spirit responded to that and not my flesh. Because my flesh would have said, uh, no, I'm not qualified for that. That's scary. That's a really big thing. Because this was a really thriving ministry that a lot of women came to within our community too. And, um, but I think what happened in that moment was God healed me of my fear. It just like was eradicated, you know, like by the love of God. And I began saying yes to things that I had always said, I'll never do that. And it was like, you know, my spirit started to lead instead mm -hmm. of my, my flesh trying to always rule and take control. Mm. Um, and I just think that in my ministry journey, um, that has been the thing that has brought the greatest freedom to me is um, receiving the love of God and not allowing fear to rule my decisions. Mm. Um, because, you know, the word tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. Mm. And I think if we truly believe that, we'll 
will lead and love and live a lot differently. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's kind of what brought me into a place of just launching out into like some deeper things and just even allowing myself to, to do things that scare you. Cause there's always things that are going to scare you. I mean, that's just a part of, a part of life. You know, God never said, you know, that things won't be scary, but he did promise that he would be with us, mm-hmm. you know? So I think for me that then that's kind of spurred me on to discovering, okay, who am I really? Because I don't think I really know who I am, like in the Lord, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it just launched me into this um, deep desire to just search the word and know who I am. Cause I had heard it, you know, my whole life you, you hear, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am, you know, I'm, I'm his workmanship. And like, I knew all that, but I literally just took that verse, Ephesians 2, 10, and I literally meditated on it like day and night, like seriously, until it just exploded in my spirit. And I just believed every word of what it said, you know, cause you know, it says I'm his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he created beforehand. Like before I even, you know, came into this world, there was a plan for me, you know, that I should walk in it. So like when I just started to dissect that and read it every day and memorize it and just, you know, getting myself into the word is how I discovered like who I really am and what I was born to actually do. Um, So that's kind of like the foundation of what kind of launched me 10 years ago, 11 years ago into just, you know, building and building and just continuing to go deeper and into discovery of who I am. Mm, Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and so one thing I wanted to mention, make sure we mentioned, with the Arizona part of things, um, it's kind of crazy, but you were in some way connected to Mary Beth, but you hadn't met her. Yes. Until you moved here. Very crazy. Is Yeah, Mary Beth and I were both worship leaders um, at two different churches in Anthem, Arizona, right across the street from each other. For like a decade. <laughs> yeah. And the weirdest thing is that we never met. We like never connected for some crazy reason crazy. until until I started coming here for songwriting, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually met you, Chrissy, first uh-huh. and made this crazy connection where you're like, you're from Anthem, Arizona. No way. You know, that's where my sister is. And it was just strange. How so I- weird. I can't believe it. I know. <laughs> I know. It is really crazy. Yeah. You in her coffee shop and stuff at her church. Yep. And- Coina Cafe. <laughs> we used to have our little um, little ladies group in there a couple yeah, times a month. That. And <laughs> That's so crazy. Uh-huh. I can't believe it. I know. That's so strange. are you doing anything scary now? Like bring us into what you're doing now. Oh, yeah. There's always something <laughs> scary. Um, yeah. Yes. So um, gosh, how do you pack such a long thing into such a short amount of time? Yeah. So about... Three and a half years ago, um, I just kind of felt like the Lord was stirring this whole thing with music. And I mean, music is my passion. It always has been. And I knew that I just needed some help in in getting this part out of me. And I had met um, a guy named Michael Farron about, gosh, 18 years ago or something, 17 years ago when I was 18. And, um, and we'd kind of stayed in touch, but the Lord said to reach out. And so I did. And just through a series of events, I was able to come here. 
and with my husband Scott and begin songwriting, which was very scary. That that was very scary. Um, launching out and pursuing that was scary. Um because I didn't want my motives to be misunderstood. Again, it was kind of like that fear thing started like to creep up again. And I just at a new level, I had to just kind of put that under my feet and go, you know what? No, I'm not going to let that creep back in, you know? And uh, because it was very scary to come here to a place that is so full of these amazing um, professionals and people who, you know, know what they're really doing and present your songs that, you know, seem so terrible in comparison to all these other things. Um, but it opened this amazing door um, of connection and community, you know, and that's really, I think, a bigger reason why why God brought us here. So through a series of events and um, just stirring and listening to really what is God saying that me and my husband and our family are supposed to do in ministry. Um, we had actually become the lead pastors of the church that we had planted, and we felt like the Lord was telling us to resign as the lead pastors and to launch out into full um, itinerant ministry as kind of missionaries, really, um, to um, just bring an awakening to the body of Christ, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. through worship, whether it's through preaching and teaching, whether it's through leadership development or consulting or, you know, working mm-hmm. with families or marriages, whatever it is that the body of Christ needs, we just want to be a resource. But the reason God told us to move here was partly for music because we do feel like diving into that and, um, it would be dumb, you know, to ignore <laughs> uh, the obvious hand of God in favor that's, you know, been on us these last couple of years with songwriting and able to record a live worship album and release that. I mean, just God has just brought to fruition some of these dreams that have been in my heart for a really long time. But, um, you know, when the Lord starts to stir and to move you, um, you know, you just can't ignore that, you know, and uh, we didn't come here with all the answers of why we were supposed to move here. It was very scary to leave all of our family, a church that we adore and had poured our entire married life into, you know, um, there hasn't been a day in our married life that we weren't part of this church. So to step away from that and launch into the deep with um, no income, with four four children, um, not knowing exactly how it would all pan itself out, um, all I can say is we went on the word of the Lord and the fact that we knew that it was right. And God has honored every every step of the way. I mean, he has done miracles in our journey in providing a home and providing a vehicle and providing income and um and connections to where we really feel like we can walk out this this call. Mm-hmm. And uh that's the thing about our call. It's not like, you know, it's not like it hasn't always been established from the beginning of time. It's just mm-hmm. as you walk with the Lord, He sometimes reveals things to you in like bits and pieces. And, you know, I think we'd be really overwhelmed if we got, lo- if we knew it all from the very start. But yeah, it's, it has been scary, Mary Beth, to answer your question. Um, but it's probably been the most rewarding, fulfilling season of my life. And I feel like I'm just getting started. It's mm, awesome. So now the ministry that you guys have, is there a website that people could visit if you want to check out what you're doing more specifically? Yes, absolutely. It's called Awaken Ministries International, and the uh, website is awakenministries.co, C-O. 
And uh, yeah, everything you need to know about us is on there. Yeah, and on social media too. It's just Awaken Ministries International. I-N-T-L. Oh, I-N-T-L. Yeah. I-N-T-L. I-N-T-L. I love that. <laughs> well, I loved having a conversation with you. It was a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just thought that would be a great conversation for us to continue or, or touch on today. But um, one of the things that we talked about, I know Awaken Ministries has several um, facets to what you guys do. But specifically what we talked about the other day was um, taking care of things from a, um, I don't know what the word is, like a pastoral mm-hmm. type bound, healthy boundaries yeah. in a ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was, I think, really refreshing just to have that conversation out loud because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things, you know, that run through my head and I'm sure lots of other people mm-hmm. in situations where you have events or you're having services. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, some of those things that we talked about, I think mm-hmm. would be awesome to bring up today. Sure. Because I think it's just so helpful. Even this last week, um, I got a text from one of the girls um, saying, I know I have to have this hard conversation with this person Mm -hmm. and I'm not looking forward to it. I know it's the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure how it's going to be received. Mm -hmm. Um, Those types of things. So just those dynamics, because those happen, those Mm -hmm. weird dynamics. Anytime you have Mm -hmm. large groups of people, you're going to have all kinds wanting to help and it's good. Mm -hmm. um, But then there's just... Mm-hmm. Definite boundaries that keep a ministry healthy. Absolutely. Um, so, just wanted to talk about those. Yeah. Well, I I think just that willingness and that understanding that you know, as you grow as a leader and develop other leaders, you're going to have mm-hmm. to confront things. But the thing is, is confrontation has such a negative connotation, and confrontation doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the problem is sometimes confrontation is done badly. <laughs> and so therefore it can, you know, kind of um, have that negative feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would say is that, you know what, if you're in leadership, I mean, I think it's just like when I think about parenting, mm-hmm. it's like, you know what, it's like we confront our children all the time because we know we have a responsibility to teach them and help them grow. Right. But for some reason, when we get around people that are like our own age or like older than us, it's like this, like, how can I have this conversation with an adult? But the Bible says that like iron sharpens iron, you know what? And so it's just, it's just, you know, you, you've got to be willing to, to, to be that, that iron that is willing to rub up against Mm -hmm. and sharpen. Um, there are obviously, you know, I would never recommend going into a conversation, especially if you're the leader. You know, you've got to make sure that your heart is right before the Lord and that you're not carrying anger into that conversation or bitterness into that conversation. You know, I just feel like as leaders, really as people in general, we have to look at our own selves first. Mm-hmm. You know, but um there are things in leadership that cause you to have to be very brave, right? That's we love right. that word, right? Brave, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's the whole point is that, you know, we got to do brave things sometimes. Yeah. And um, but I've had many times where I have had to have those brave conversations. And what I've always done is I've always secluded myself first and said, Lord, 
please just cover this situation, you know, prepare this person's heart, go before me, you know, even just make them not even surprised that like, we have to talk about this, you know, and, 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 and give me the right words to speak to this person. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but part of leadership is developing, uh, is developing other people. Right. And a big deal. it is a big not deal. All leaders develop the next generation of leaders. Yeah. And if you That's don't do that, then in my personal opinion, you're not leading well. Mm-hmm. Because what I have seen a lot is a leader is always looking to who their successor or who their, excuse me, I think it's successor, not successor, but who, who that next person is that they should be pouring into. So, I see a lot of burnt out leaders because they don't know how to delegate and they don't know how to raise up other people. Um, And I think that's probably one of the biggest downfalls in leadership in general is that, you know, a leader always has someone right there by their side. Always. And I, and I would personally look for that in somebody. And if they don't have that, you know, I would kind of wonder, okay, who, you know, who is this person leading and trying to build up and pass things along to, um, but yeah, I mean, leadership is all about building other people up and about releasing things. And I think a good leader too is not afraid of somebody who is, who has, you know, maybe greater gifting, mm-hmm. um, than them. You know, I think that's just a really unhealthy mentality, um, is for a leader to be, you know, put off if somebody else comes along. And again, that just goes back to knowing who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you know who you are in Christ, you aren't threatened by those kinds of things. Right. So those are sort of like team dynamics. What about, um, we talked a little bit too about service dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I know it'll look different, like for different denominations. Um, And so we understand that. But as far as um, platform, healthy Mm -hmm. platform boundaries, can Mm -hmm. you talk about that just a little bit? Mm -hmm. Well, I know for us, you know, we really mentored people in that a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, I think that there are people who think they're ready for the platform <laughs> and then other people who just aren't. Mm-hmm. And and it's okay if you aren't, but you have to be willing to be trained mm-hmm. and to be mentored in that process. So this whole thing with platform ministry is, you know, there are people that are very charismatic and, you know, can get up and really say a lot of things, but not say anything at all. (laughs) And then there are people that, you know, maybe aren't, but they actually have a lot of good things that they want to say, but they're just afraid or they're just, you know, so I think the coaching process with that, and I think Whoever is in charge of the service, whoever is leading that service has to understand that they are literally responsible for every person in that room. Mm-hmm. So whoever gets up on that platform, you know, you're, you're ultimately responsible for the things that are said in that room, the way that they're said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always keep that in mind. Like if I'm the one leading that service, I, I really want to have confidence that whoever I'm releasing to be on that platform, first of all, they understand what they're supposed to be saying mm-hmm. and that they also understand that every situation that they're up there, they're going to get, um, or every time that they're up there, they are going to get some feedback from me. And so, Whoever you let up there, I would say that they need to be teachable mm-hmm. and that 
that they're a person that you trust and have spent some time with and that you've clearly shared the vision with them and um, what the objective is and and why they're up there and this is what you're going to say and this is how much time you have. And I think one of the <laughs> – can I talk about a pet peeve for just yeah. a second? So. La. One of the pet peeves sometimes is when you're leading a service is when you have somebody um, that you've asked to come do something and you've given them like a three minute time frame, you know, but they go seven, eight minutes, you know, and they feel like they need to elaborate on like everything, you know, and, and that's sometimes a frustration to the leader because maybe you have other things in the service you're trying to do or, you know, I'm not saying that everything has to be timed to the very minute, but I just feel like if you're in that position of where you like to talk a lot, you know, just really keep that in mind that, um, that if you do that, you're actually kind of rebelling against what's been asked of you. And that kind of isn't cool. So, um, you know, I think that it's really important too for the person who's been given that, that privilege to be up there that, that you don't, um, that you don't, uh, break that trust, mm -hmm. you know, because here's the thing is there are probably going to be other opportunities for you to share more, for you to share longer and things like that. But if you get up there and, and you're constantly, you know, not doing what your leader asked you to do or taking liberties that haven't been given to you. That just kind of stinks for, for you and also for the person that's leading because it, that partnership is really important. And trust. so trust, trust is huge. Trust. trust is huge. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that maybe you don't have something great to say, but you know, if you haven't been released to say that or even asked to say that, then you probably just shouldn't, you know, say it, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, there were things, there were structures that we had in place that, you know, like if somebody felt like they had a word of encouragement or something that they wanted to share, you know, they just didn't walk straight up on the platform and do that. You know, they, they came to the pastor or the person who was leading that service and, and ran it by the pastor or that lead person. And it was up to them to decide, you know what? Yes, I will walk up there with you and you can share this or let's hold on or, or I'll share that or, for you, you know, so I think having like a touch point person is just really great too. I think that that helps. Um, but I think building trust and just really having a team of people that you can share the vision with and, you know, because if there's no vision, then the people will perish and they'll kind of flounder. But I think if you're really clear about your expectations and the boundaries and, and being willing to have those brave conversations, but I think, you know, being teachable is huge. Mm -hmm. Being teachable is really huge and and really listening to the leader and allowing that feedback. Well, and I love the intentionality that you're sharing. Like that's one of the things that I think so many people are missing is you don't just throw songs together to do a service, but it's like you're crafting moments, yeah. you know, from the beginning to the end and mm -hmm. you're being intentional with the people you have on the stage and, you mm -hmm. know, with the ability to get up and share something extra or not. And you guys are... um you know, looking at all of those little things and feeling the weight of that responsibility for this time that you have people mm -hmm. for, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love that. I think that's so important. Just planning the space between mm -hmm. the elements of worship and between the songs of worship. And sometimes those are just as important or more important Absolutely. You know, than some of those big, big spots. So yeah. I love it. It's I think, really cool. I think a pitfall sometimes is that we feel like we have to make people worship. And that really isn't our job. Our job is to help people see Jesus. Mm. And, you know, I, that is one of the most frustrating things as a worship leader to kind of look, look out on the crowd and just feel like you're some spectacle up there that everybody's just watching. Mm. 
I mean, haven't we kind of all had those moments? I mean, I know I have, and I have had to guard my heart so many times and where I just realized, you know what? I can't force people to worship, but I believe that if people truly see the Lord and experience him, they will worship him. Mm -hmm. And, and I can't get up there and coax. (laughs) I can't get up there and reprimand. (laughs) I can't get up there and, you know, try to trick people into worshiping. So it's like, I have to be in a place where I am already filled, filled up before I even get there. I'm prayed up. I'm prepared in the spirit. I've, I've prayed about the songs we're supposed to do. It's, it's a very spiritual thing. And, and I would just encourage any leader listening to this that, you know, your, your spiritual wholeness is the best gift you can give any person, mm-hmm. any congregation that you get up and sing in front of, any team that you are leading. You, you, your own wholeness is pivotal in this whole journey. And Love then it. that's, I mean, that makes me think about unity. So if you're praying and you're spiritually whole and you're spending time with the Lord every day and you're spending time in prayer planning this, um, if all that is laid as a foundation mm-hmm. and others on your team are doing the same thing. Absolutely. It's it's like this whole unifying dynamic mm-hmm. that happens naturally. Yes. And if somebody comes up and says, I have a word about um, you know, whatever, unity, for mm-hmm. instance, and that's been on your heart this week too. And you know what I mean? Like sometimes things happen, like they just boom, boom, boom. And it's because of that. It's because of the preparation that everybody's poured in. Yes. And the other thing I feel like the Lord's been teaching me about this week is sometimes you see the self show, you know, you can see the self showing when the self is showing, that's an indicator that it's not the right thing, you know? Absolutely. Um, And it, and I've, I was digging into the parable of the talents this week again mm-hmm. and just reminded of that process. Like, look how that first man responded. He he responded very simply, I've doubled your money or whatever. It was a double. I can't remember. But anyways, mm-hmm. simple response. The Lord called him trustworthy. And then same with the next one. And then the third one gave this huge answer why he didn't get it all together. And um, basically, he was seen as untrustworthy in the end or shady or, you know, fill in the blank, opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so complicated, but his self was showing. Mm-hmm. And um, there was also chatter while the master was gone. And when the master came back, he said he didn't want to see their faces anymore. Mm. People that were chattering, you know? Yeah. So it made me think about all these dynamics to some Mm -hmm. degree. Like there is, there is self that shows up, you know, that happens in every ministry and it happens with us, you know, Mm -hmm. self still shows up. We're human. But I think the goal is like you were saying, Lydia, if we're totally immersing ourselves and being faithful in our daily responsibility just to the Lord. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's number one priority Mm -hmm. that paves the way for the Holy spirit to come. Mm -hmm. And that is the best gift. Absolutely. And, um, and hoping that our team is doing the same thing. And, and in, like you said, like learning to trust your team. Like Mm -hmm. when you say I have three minutes for you in the spot, if they do boom, three minutes, that builds trust. It's like the, the parable of the talents. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you did exactly what I asked you to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give you more next time. Yeah. 
if, if there's a situation where that person just even, um, you know, without being asked comes in and gives this big, huge long and you weren't planning on it and it's off topic and it takes everybody a different way. And you are like, what do I do with this? Um, then it's sort of like Mm -hmm. you bring it back in. Like, I can't give you that time again. I can't. Mm -hmm give you that spot. I don't know what's going to happen. And ultimately I am responsible for what happens here, mm-hmm. you know, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, I guess I just wish that more people who are involved, especially in worship ministries realized that you are, you are such a vital part of bringing that unity and bringing that spirit of readiness mm-hmm. and that um that that offering of worship like mm-hmm. that is so not just the worship leader's job right like it is a collaborative effort with every person on that team and i mean you know the church that i was worship pastor at like there 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 was a requirement that you were growing spiritually there was a requirement that you were diving in in some way in discipleship and you know and i mean you can't in my opinion humbly i don't feel you can have a worship team member up there who doesn't understand for one what worship is or why we do worship <laughs> like i think it's important that your team members should all be able to tell you this is why we worship this is why i'm here you know it it goes beyond just because i like to play or because i like to sing like there's it it really does mm-hmm. exactly and just that general understanding of this is all about the lord and we get to bring our gifts we get to bring the anointing mm-hmm. you know that doesn't mean we hold back you know but it definitely needs to be something that everybody is aware of it's awesome i love it any other thoughts mary beth i know you've dealt with this on a Oh, definitely a intimate level with the worship team. And yeah, I think it's just so many good things, you know, just, um, we probably have referenced this multiple times on this podcast, but our very first podcast was with Darlene check and just Mm -hmm. her saying that that's gotta be a well-worn path. You know, Mm -hmm. when you take the stage and when you lead your team and I just think everything can be summed up in that, you know, Mm -hmm. so many times and just us as the leader bringing the best effort, Um, and if we honestly, if we can't lead our teams, then we have no business being up there. You know, we can't lead the church if we can't lead our team first. And so I just love it. I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. Such a big deal. So, well, this has been awesome. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And if people need help with their dynamics, they can call you. Yeah. 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 I love it. Lydia at awakenministries.co is my email. So if anybody ever needs anything, feel free to reach out. Cool. I love That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. And we pray God's blessings on your ministry and your music and all he has for you and your family. Thank you. And your ministry. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Thanks, guys. You can find us at braveworship.com or Facebook under Brave Worship. Have a great day. Or Instagram. Yeah. That too. (laughs) You've been listening to the Brave Worship Podcast with Dove Award-winning songwriter Chrissy Nordhoff and worship leader and music pastor Mary Beth Dodd. 
Visit braveworship.com forward slash free song and sign up for the email list to get updates on all the latest Brave Worship events, conferences, and retreats. Plus, get free songs to use in your next worship service, complete with chord chart and track. Also, find out how you can join Chrissy and Mary Beth in person at the next Brave Worship conference. Simply visit braveworship.com forward slash conference to learn more. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation, You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.